What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of Flip the M podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jonathan. Uh, this is a Five Reasons Sports Productions. Alongside me, I have my guest speaker for the day, Kevin. Kevin, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, guys? Just like Jonathan, work with Five Reasons Sports. Can't wait to get started talking Marlins. Yeah, so this is going to be a podcast that I'm going to be hosting uh, as often as I can. My plan is once a month during the offseason, about bi-weekly during the season itself. So be sure to uh, hit that follow button. Uh, check me out on Twitter, everything like that, and uh, you'll see all the stuff coming out from me, coming out from us. Um, I think we're just going to go ahead and dive headfirst into our topics for the day. Um, so our first topic today is we're going to go over what we think of what Miami's done this offseason. Um, if they have improved the team, if they've gotten worse, um, every little thing under the sun. So for starters, we've had a lot and a lot of minor league signings. Um, it took a long time to get our first major league signing, but we finally got it in uh, Gene Segura, uh, who's a middle infielder for the uh, Phillies this past couple years. Um, but we plan on putting him over at third. Uh, it's just a little wonky right now with with uh, losing Miggy Rowe. But I don't know. I really like the signing of Gene. Uh, what do you think, Kev? Uh, I've always been a big fan of Gene. Um, I remember when he kind of like broke out. I don't know, back with the the Mariners or, or the D-backs. I don't know. He had one of those crazy years that it was like, oh, where'd this guy come from? I've always kind of been a fan of his. I actually enjoyed watching him uh, play with the Phillies, and, you know, we got to see a whole bunch of them. But I love the signing for us. Uh, good leadership that he brings to the clubhouse. <clears throat> high contact, high on base kind of guy. A guy that we we didn't really have a lot of that last year. Honestly, it's like a Miggy Rowe, but better. Obviously, different, a little different. And position. younger. Yeah, younger. Um, mm-hmm. A little different position, uh, uh, defensive, obviously a little different there, but uh, offensively, it's it's like a Mickey Rowe, but better, in my opinion. I definitely love the signing. Yeah, it just it puts us at an interesting spot um, when, when you yeah. look at the positioning of our infield. Um, losing out on Mickey Rowe, who has been a longtime Marlin, you know, he was seen as the captain with us for a long time. Um, I know a lot, of, a lot of people have soured on him, but me personally, working alongside him a couple times that I have, uh, fantastic guy, great guy in the clubhouse. So we're going to miss him. Uh, very, very sad to see him go. Very happy to see Jacob Amaya on our team, though. Um, honestly, prospect I hadn't heard of before. Um, but I feel like I will become quickly acquainted with him, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I kind of feel the same way. Obviously, first and foremost, uh, love Mickey to death. Always going to root for him. He is a lifetime fan of me here. Uh, you know, can't thank him enough for everything he did for us. I know exactly what you said, how people – People kind of soured on him a little bit, but Mickey's always going to hold a special place in my heart. But uh, in terms of Jacob Amaya, I actually got to see him play a little bit, not in person, uh, over spring training. You know how, like, MLB Net or MLB.com or at that, whatever, plays some of the spring training games. Seen him play a little bit because girlfriend's a Dodgers fan. We know how that goes. So I watched some of those games, seen him play, and I kind of like him. He's, he's a, a lot of people have said this. He's like a little bit kind of like Mickey with more pop. And I actually kind of like that. Obviously, you know, we'll see what happens when he makes a big league or when he makes it to the big leagues. But I, I, I definitely like the the pickup. It's a, it's a good swap. I think it's really great the fact that we were able to um, trade off this older shortstop that we have. You know, um, obviously, Mickey's been with us for a long time. I think it was eight or nine years that he's with us um, out to the Dodgers. And they are a team who is seen as no matter what they do, somehow they always have the strongest farm system. I uh, yeah. don't know how, um, but we were able to snag somebody who I think Amaya was 17th on their uh, top 25 uh, prospects um, and just sneak him out of there. But as you said, he's a lot like Miggy himself. Um, his floor is seen as Miguel Rojas, which to trade, you know, a 33, 34-year-old shortstop for a 23-year-old version of him, um, exactly. that, that, that's his floor. That That's that's a, a trade I'll take any day of the week. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You couldn't – yeah, yeah. Can't say that any better. That's that's literally perfect way to put it. Um, but as I was saying, it's it's the the middle infield is is what's puzzling me because we signed, so we we call up Jazz Chisholm, a true shortstop, and place him at second base. We sign Gene Segura, a true second baseman, and place him at third base. Then we yeah. trade for Joey Wendell, a true third baseman, and put him at shortstop. So it's a little swap into the position that's a little bit puzzling there. Um, but I mean, with, with, with Edwards, with Amaya, with Groshans all coming up, you got to wonder where they fit in the puzzle pieces, where Wendell fits in the puzzle pieces. Um, obviously he's been rumored to get moved, but 
it's just waiting to see how the full offseason transpires to see how our infield will shape up is, is something that I've kept an eye on a lot this offseason. Yeah, you know, I've tried I I've tried putting guys in different spots in my own head. <clears throat> I'm even a nerd. I'll go on and we'll be the show and be like, hey, where does this guy look on here? Blah, blah, blah. Kind of just play around with things. And it, it's dude, wonky's the perfect word for it. I don't understand. Like you said, Gene's gonna play third. Jazz, okay, we've gotten used to Jazz at second. He's been great at second. Cool, awesome. Um, and Joey Wendell, who's kind of been, like you said, jumped around everywhere, but is a true third baseman, is going to be our starting shortstop now. Like, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, and then, like you said, you have Edwards and Groshans, and I mean, hell, you want to throw Garrett Hampson in there? I mean, like, <laughs> guys that, like, I, I just don't understand. Like, a lot of very similar position wise guys it's a lot of guys that can play second short and third if they need to but like no one truly sticks out at one specific position gene and and jazz obviously stick out at at second um but we don't have a true shortstop and i don't really know what to make of that you know personally i think your opening day shortstop is not on the roster I don't. I don't have a specific name out there. I don't. I'm not going to say, oh, this person is going to be our opening day shortstop. But like, I don't think our opening day shortstop is on the roster currently. And for better or for worse, I just I don't see how the guys we have right now make a cohesive infield offensively. Great, and they can plug into places and and you know fill in where need be. But as everyday guys, I don't really know for sure. So you you mentioned our 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 opening day shortstop not being on the on the roster, um, which leads us into our next topic. Um, we've been in talks with the Twins for quite some time, uh, revolving Pablo Lopez, um, a longtime favorite uh, of of every Marlin fan out there. Um, but the main piece that we've been connected to has been Max Kepler and just about every trade or Luis Arise. Um, obviously, neither one of them plays shortstop, but. In addition to those players, you know, we're also connected to Royce Lewis, uh, one of the top prospects in the, of the league. You know, um, obviously coming off two surgeries is really, really good, but he played hard and he played well. And also you're connected to Jorge Polanco. Uh, yes, he trains us into second base, but you can still move maybe Gene to short or maybe Jazz to short if need be, right. uh, if it means getting Jorge Polanco's bat in the lineup. Um, now, uh, as everyone saw on Twitter a few days ago, it was it was very very close to to completion to the deal, and then all of a sudden it just completely fizzled out. Um, everyone can suspect what happened there. You know, there's no one answer. Um, but what I do know is that we're still in talks with the Twins uh, surrounding Pablo Lopez. Um, what the return is, whether that be a Kepler centered deal or an Arise centered deal, um, I I'm not sure. Um, if it's Kepler centered, I've heard that it would be. You know, Pablo and another player, maybe Burdick or Blade or someone of that nature, like a, a near MLB ready outfielder um, for Kepler and Polanco or Kepler, Kepler and, and Royce Lewis. Um, if it's Arias, um, twins are very, very hesitant to give up on, on Arias right now. Um, yeah. So you're going to have to put a little bit more out there or expect something less. Um, Miami really wants to get two major league bats out of this trade. Twins are really, really hesitant on doing that right now. I mean, it's 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 hard to blame them. Um, you know, Rise, we've seen what he's done the past two, I guess you could say three years. Um, the guy, the guy's just a ball player. Um, doesn't hit the ball particularly hard. Doesn't, you know, he's not going to hit 500 foot bombs or anything, but the guy just hits and hits and hits and gets on base. Uh, plays pretty decent defense too, pretty much wherever you put him. Um, to me personally, Obviously, I think we all are in agreement that whatever deal is made with the Twins, Kepler has to be a part of, or, or at least some major league, you know, outfielder. And I don't just mean major league ready. I mean, like, solidified major leaguer. It's like, okay, we know what we're getting with this guy. Uh, it's hard not to look at, at Kepler's savant, baseball savant page and go, wow. Obviously, the numbers aren't all there, but something's got to give. And I think there's a really good baseball player there. And I obviously, I think everyone on Marlon Sawyer is in agreement that Kepler has to be a part of a deal. And I think he will be. Um, in terms of that other piece, you know, now with Correa officially going back, you got Correa, Lewis, Polanco, 
Arise at first, and then Miranda. So you got five infielders for four spots. I understand one of them can DH, but I I don't know. Like I don't know. I would personally, for me, I don't know. I think John, you you would kind of semi agree, semi disagree. It would be Polanco for me. Polanco's the oh, guy. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Then there you go. I mean, Polanco's the guy for me. Uh, Rise is nice and all, but if if they're hesitant to move him and they want more, then fine, you can keep a Rise. We have enough guys that are that are contact oriented, you know, not a lot of power there already on the Marlins. So I would take a little bit more power with Polanco, a little less, little less contact. Um, and like you said, someone that has played short in the past and someone that I honestly would feel more comfortable putting at short than like a Gene Segura who hasn't played short in forever um, or Jazz with his back. I know Jazz wants to play short and I'm perfect. I'm all aboard, but I just want to make sure he's healthy first. And putting him at short is kind of like, uh, I don't know. So personally, I would go for Polanco. If we get Royce Lewis, if, if that's possible, that'd be awesome too. But again, there's always the, the injury risk there. So I don't really know. Obviously, when he's been up in the major leagues, he's been incredible. But it's a very small sample size and he's been hurt a lot. So I would take the more safe route with Polanco. And the switch hitter is always nice. You know, we have so many righties in our lineup. We need a little bit more lefty swinging guys. So Polanco could help on both sides from both sides of the plate. So going back a few things that you mentioned, you mentioned of, of, of with Kepler, you're getting a major league proven outfielder. Mm -hmm. um, going further on that now, I haven't heard anything of this nature with these two players, but does that then take players like Trevor Larnack and Alex Kirilov out of your consideration for this trade? Not necessarily. I mean, those are, you know, they, those, both of those guys were huge prospects at one point. Um, I, I wouldn't say it takes them out of the equation. Uh, I just – I would veer towards Kepler more um, just because he's a safer pick. But, you know, Larnack and, and Kirilov also have incredibly high ceilings. They were, like I said, once huge prospects. So, I, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be upset if we got Larnack or Kirilov, but I feel like if we're going that route, then we we might need a little more, if that makes sense. Like Kepler, yeah, for sure. I can see how the twins go. <clears throat> that's a bit. That's a bit much for for Pablo. Okay, whatever your opinion. But uh, but if it's like Kirilov slash Larnack and Polanco, I might be like, hey, throw a reliever in there too, or like another something else, just to like sweeten the deal a little bit because they're just not that proven and will be ready yet. I also yeah. don't. I don't know if I trust them in center field, honestly. Like. I don't. I don't. I. I. Ha, I don't have it pulled up, but I don't know how many innings they've played in center field. And we need a center fielder because I don't know if I want to trot Brian De La Cruz out in center field. I trust yeah. him, but the defense is just. I don't. I don't. It, we saw what happened with Jesus Sanchez. You know what I'm saying? Like I. I don't know. I don't know if I. Trust no. Him. No. I'm. I'm. I'm with you, and and especially with with the fact. Again, I haven't looked at it recently, but the fact that you know Kirilov was transitioning to a first base position last year too. Right. You know, right. first base in an outfield. It's a little bit, little bit more weary putting them in a center field position if he couldn't handle right. it. Um, yeah, obviously, sure. they have they, they have bucks uh, out in center field yeah. for them, so they don't really have to worry about it. But man, we yeah, defense isn't everything for a team that can't score runs, but it should at least be in consideration. You know, well, especially at Lone Depot too. I mean, you see, oh my gosh, the gaps are huge. I mean, if a guy's yeah. not going to track down a ball, then we're going to be in trouble because it's going to be triples alley, not triples alley, but it's going to be triples galore out there if we don't have a guy who's able to track down these balls. Yeah. And, and Kepler used to play center field. And like you said, with Buxton, now he's in right field. They have a center fielder playing right is what they're doing, you know? So. Now moving forward, another team that was interested in Pablo Lopez that just came out recently was the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, now the Cardinals have an interesting situation. They have a ton of outfield players there. Um, none that are really proven that they're really, to, uh, really comfortable to, to move. Um, but you know, you have a Dylan Carlson, who's a fantastic defensive outfielder and a left-handed bat. You have Lars Newtbar, who has somehow miraculously become the major fan favorite outfielder of all MLB teams this offseason out of nowhere. Um, his savant page is beautiful, but very little time in the MLB. Um, I mean, you have Alec Burleson, uh, who's a first base outfielder again, that's weary with, with wanting to get center field, but a first base slash outfielder who didn't play too well in the majors in his small sample size. But he crushed AAA uh, last year, and he's only 23, 24 years old. Um, now, I might be missing a few players off, off the top of my head that I can't think of, but 
it's 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 interesting, you know, the, the possibilities with St. Louis. They honestly it, it could be a recency bias thing, but they're the team that gets me the most excited as a trade partner. Um like you said, they have so many options that, that could help us tremendously. Obviously, my favorite is Lars Newbar. I think the report came out that 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 they're really hesitant to move Lars. Yes. Understandably yes. so. He's young. He's been great when he's been up. Like you said, his baseball savant page, all all the peripherals are incredible with him. Um, but he's he's a he's a if we could get him, I would be thrilled because I think that's like the perfect guy to throw out in center field for us. But other options you didn't mention Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill is an interesting one for me. True, true. And I mean, very interesting. Uh, Incredible 2021. Eh, 2022. Uh, he's a very strange player. The guy hits the ball so hard, and he flies, plays good defense. But, wow, is there a lot of swing and miss. A lot of swing yeah. and miss. He's, he's, he's a very polarizing player, but he is the opposite of what uh, Kim Ang and everyone has been preaching for this offseason, which is a contact first. So you don't think that they're going to go that route with, with O'Neal, who has – a major swing and miss problem, but like simultaneously you look at his 2021 and, and it was so good that you can't think that it was a fluke. Yeah. You know, it's, it's right. gotta be there. Right. And I mean, even then his 2022 season, like it wasn't great, but he'd still, <laughs> he'd still be one of the better bats in our lineup if we had him, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and he could play center field. He, I think he did a little bit this year. Um, he's a freak athlete. So he definitely could. I trust him. Um, I don't know. He's he's definitely interesting to me. Uh, if you would have told me last year that they were even thinking about possibly moving him, I would have called you crazy. But oh, 100%. If, if they're going to flirt with his name out there, you at least got to think about it. You have yep. to. And yep. going back to one of the other names that you mentioned, uh, this is going to be a hot take, and I might get crushed on Twitter for this. Actually, I don't know if I will. I would stay away from Dylan Carlson. Oh, 100%. I – his his bat has not progressed to where it needs to be. Granted, he's still very young. I think he's 22, 23, oh, yeah. going into his third year. And he's a lefty bat and a great defensive outfielder. But yeah. with where Miami is at currently, you can't take on projects. You need to take on definitive <clears throat> offensive power, um, especially with, with our development staff these past few years. You know, we've taken right. players like in the draft, like J.J. Bladey, who was one of the greatest college hitters in the past couple of years. You took yeah. Peyton Burdick, who was heralded as a mini Mike Trout. And then you get them to the minors and they just flounder. You get into yeah. the majors and they continue to flounder. And it's like Miami needs to find out. And, and, and hopefully Brant Brown, our new hitting coach, is helping out with that. I've heard a lot of great things about him. Mm -hmm. But we need to figure out what that problem is. It, but for time being – Take the sure bet. Don't take yes. some project that, you know, it's another reason why people were mentioning Thomas this offseason, which I love Thomas. I'm a big fan, but he wasn't all put together last year. And, and so taking him from the Diamondbacks for, you know, Pablo Lopez or Trevor Rogers, that's a huge risk because you're taking a guy who 22 years old, fantastic defense, lefty bat, hit 220, you know, right. with like a 670 OPS, whatever it was. You know, you you in, in the Marlins position, you need to take the certain thing, yeah. And the certain absolutely. thing, in, in this in this point, honestly, if with the Cardinals is 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 Lars Nupar. Um mm -hmm. you think Tyler O'Neill's there too, but you're still worried. Last year was very very injury riddled injury riddled for him, um, so you're very worried about taking somebody coming off that many in injuries and just hoping for the best, and you're giving up your number two starter for him. Obviously, yep. his talent's there, but the injuries are also there, so it's not a proven thing. You look right. at Lars Newpar. You can argue that Newpar is not a not a certain thing either, but he's the most certain thing that's on the Cardinals roster for me. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. And you know that lefty bat because Lars is a is a lefty too. Yes, right-handed hitter. Lars left-handed hitter. I can't stress enough how important I think it is that we need to get a left-handed hitter somewhere in the lineup. I don't care if it's Correct. out in center field, at shortstop, whatever. I know Joey Wendell's a lefty, but like, let's be real here. Come on, I'm talking <laughs> like someone besides Jazz, come from the left-handed batter's box where it's like, he's a threat. Because Joey's going to slap the ball around. He's going to give you a good A-B. No problem. Yep. Love that. But, like, I need someone in the left-handed batter's box that's like, this guy can take me 500 feet if, if I make a mistake. Or, you know, just, you know, 
who's going to hit the ball well and, and run for days. You know, I don't know. And to me, that's Lars. I'm, again, I'm never going to complain if we get Tyler O'Neill. I'll be happy with that. But I, to me, it's Lars. I, I, I love Lars Newbar. Saw him play in person in, in, when I took a trip this year in Washington. Saw him go yard and a lot of Cardinals fans yelling, dude. And I'm like, okay, this guy, I love this guy. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a stereotypical baseball name for the 1920s. Oh, you know, yeah. you, you got to plug him in your lineup. And he played for um, Japan. How do you not like the guy? I mean, come on. Come <laughs> oh, on. So moving forward, because we've talked a lot <laughs> about our, our outfield options um, and, and Pablo suitors, let's – look more strictly at outfield options at the hottest name on the trade market, uh, the most unattainable name on the trade market, the <sighs> sword that'll never get pulled out of the stone. That is Brian Reynolds of the uh, Pittsburgh pirates. Um, yeah. Man, what, what a conundrum that whole ordeal is, you know, a 27, 28 year old all-star center fielder, uh, consistently with like an 850 OPS, consistently with 20 homers, you know, solid batter. Up until this year, solid defensively. He was a bit down this year, but that's a very finicky stat. Um, and yet the Pirates are asking for the world and more for him. Yeah. And it is just so mind-numbing to have a player who is talented. You're in the maybe the second, third year of the rebuild, rebuild with the Pirates, at least in this new generation of rebuild for them, um, they can easily get him for prospects that will help out in the M frame and that can succeed. And yet you're refusing to deal him, refusing to give or ask for a reasonable price for him and shooting yourself in the foot when you know he's not going to sign an extension with you, you insult him with a six-year, $75 million offer. You know he's not going to sign with you. You have, what, two years of control left on him, and you're just going to let that wither away and let your leverage wither away. Like, it is it is mind-numbing. I – well, yeah, I mean, you you nailed everything. One, the parts leave me speechless. I used to kind of like them. Obviously, I soured over them over the years, and now, like, with all this, I'm like – what is what are you guys thinking like they think they swear they have Mike Trout they like mm-hmm. if 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 you said blank team wants the package that they asked for earlier which I don't exactly remember it off the top of my head it was like Edward Cabrera Jose Salas Jacob Berry and I don't Trevor somebody Rogers else yeah or or I don't even know I don't remember off the top of my head it's something crazy if you would have showed me that package said that package is going to blank team for blank player. Who is it? I would have been like, okay, this is like, this is a top 20, 25 guy in, in major league baseball and, and move the, the blank. And it's, it's Brian Reynolds. It's like, well, he's a good player. He's an all-star, but like, yeah. Yeah. Am I giving that up for him? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. Like I understand Edward Cabrera has to be included. That's fine. And everyone knows how I feel about Edward Cabrera. I love Edward, but I'm okay with giving him up. I don't think it should be a one-for-one. I understand we're going to need to throw a little bit more in there, but I don't understand what they want. I really don't. No. I really don't. Like, and, and all these reports that the Marlins are, are probably the most likely to, to get him if a trade does actually happen, that they seem the most willing to trade for him. That's fine, but like – at what point do you go? Yeah, maybe I don't want to trade for him. Yeah, you know, and, and that's. I know you and I have had this conversation. We mm-hmm. want him on our team, would love him on our team, but there's a there's a limit that if they, there's like a, 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 we each have our own package that if they send a certain package to the Pirates, and we get Reynolds in return, I'll actually be upset. Or it's yeah. like, yeah, I think you overpaid because then it's not even a guarantee that you're extending him either. Correct. You got like if they're gonna do it, they have it. They has to be like a Mets with the with the Indians slash Guardian with the Guardians. Now it was the Indians when they traded Frankie. It has to be that guarantee where like if we're making this trade, we are extending him. There's no there's no doubt left that we are extending him. So if you're gonna meet the Pirates' absurd asking price, you have to extend him. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. And I go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I don't know if it is just the the length that this has been brought out on, or if it's the relatively down year he had last year, or what it may be. I can't see any trade that the Pirates would accept that I would be happy with. Um, like giving rid of getting rid of their insane demands, like even doing like a fair trade, like Eddie and then a couple other people. I can't see a trade that I would be happy with personally. Um, I have soured on Brian Reynolds, whether that be the drama that has transpired from this, you know, the length that this has gone. It's it's the point to where I'm like, okay, I, I don't even want him on my team anymore, you know? Um, yeah, it, no. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because – because you, you look, and, and according to everything that I've been told um, from people that I have in the industry, you know, Eddie has to be in the deal, which for me, that is already a non-starter. I, I personally, I wouldn't trade Eddie for the world. Um, that's one player that to me is untouchable, but maybe for the right package it is. I don't think Brian Reynolds is the right package. Um, but furthermore, it, it's it's a wonderful and a scary thought um, when when I hear that no one's willing to meet the pirates' demands, but the are the most willing to get up close to them. And that is a very scary thought to me for somebody who isn't that big on Brian Reynolds. Now, don't get me wrong. He is a fantastic player, fantastic ball player. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's So to touch on what you just said, you, you worded it perfectly. It is a beautiful but terrifying thought knowing that no other team wants to come close to their asking price, but the Marlins are kind of flirting with the idea of it. Like, I understand it gives you more le- leverage. Like, hey, look, we're the only team that really wants – that that's, like, willing to, to even talk to you at this point. Like, none of these other teams are even a threat. Cool, that's great. But, like, at what point – like I said earlier, at what point do you kind of stop yourself and go, should we – kind of think like those other teams and be like, well, why aren't they even interested? You know, like at one point the Dodgers were interested and way back at the beginning of this recording, you said the Dodgers have a top farm system every single year. And you're absolutely right. Why are the Dodgers tapping out? They don't have their starting center fielder is Trace Thompson. Had a good year last year, but really you want to try out Trace Thompson? If any team is going to do it and extend him too, it's the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are like, yeah, no, we're out. Shouldn't you kind of shouldn't that be a, a red flag for you? Be like, why are the Dodgers out? Yeah. They they have as big of a hole in center field as we do. They have more money than we do to extend them, and they don't even want to think about it. To me, that kind of tells me like maybe this isn't the route we should go. Maybe yeah. they, it's just like like you said, there's way too much baggage with it. There's way too much going on. I would look elsewhere. I'd look elsewhere, yeah. honestly. And I'd love Love Brian Reynolds. He's one of my favorite players in all baseball to watch. Fun player to watch. Switch hitter. He's just a, a ball player. But no, no, dude, I I can't do it. There's just it's there's way too much going on with him that I've kind of soured. Like you said, just like you, I've kind of soured. Yeah. Moving forward, um, getting out of the trade market, we have been secretly or not so secretly, quietly. Um, Starting to get aggressive in the in the in the free agent market, which is which is something that isn't isn't normal for Miami. Um, and Shock. again, it's not for yeah, it's very shocking. Uh, it's not it's not for players that are you know game changers or or the top free agents there are, but they're the top free agents still around. You know that's that's a, a moral trophy to hold somewhere. You know we're granted it's it's you know less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting, but you know. We can we can hold a little moral victory there, um, but yeah. as as was reported this morning um, by multiple different people, I don't remember who had it first. Um, Marlins met with Yuli Gurriel today. Um, then Danny Alvarez chimed in, said it wasn't the first meeting that they had; it's their second meeting. Um, it even came to the point to where when he was stopped after the meeting, and somebody said, "Hey, what do you think about Miami?" and he's like, "Hey, I hope so." You know, so it's it's progressing something forward, which is which is which is nice. Um, obviously he's not the player that he was two or three years ago, but he brings the, the leadership mentality. He brings a nice bat off the bench or a platoon with Coop, or even if Coop goes down for entries, cause we all know he will eventually just get the kind of player that Coop is nowadays. Um, yeah. and he also, I mean, we always say it, we always say it, 
but he he's a Cuban. He'll bring in the Cuban fans, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, my big thing, like, he's a leader. He's been mm-hmm. part of a a winning culture ever since he came to the United States and started playing Major League Baseball. Um, I mean, if you look at the 2017 to the 2022 Houston Astros, he's right at the thick of it, right in the middle of yep. it. Um, he was never their best player. He was never their their MVP or any of that, but it doesn't matter. He's had countless huge hits, countless huge moments. This past season was definitely a step back, and he does seem to be getting a little old now. I mean, he's 38. How can you not? Um, but, you know, he does bring a leadership, and he brings a winning mentality to this club, and especially with a whole bunch of young guys coming up and and basically, I mean, a new whole leadership with with Skip and his his coaching staff, it'd be a nice thing to have. Uh, as far as the player himself, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Um, let's just put it this way: if it actually happens, I'll need to see the money. Uh, depending on the price tag. I could either hate it or love it. If it's like dirt cheap, then great. Cause like you said, he's probably one of the better bats left on the market at this point. It, and that's, that's saying something. Um, but if, if it's an overpay, like what the Red Sox did with Justin Turner, um, I don't know how to feel about that. Cause I still, I know Coop gets hurt, but he's to me, the better player. To me, I don't see how he does what he did in the second half again. I think he bounces back. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star, but I think he's going to be better than what uh, – clearly better than what he was in the second half. Um, You know, he's not a lefty bat. So, I don't know. I'm just going to say – I'll end with this. If it's too much money, I would have preferred giving Mike Moustakis a minor league deal. Seeing wow. what he does coming out of spring training. Wow. And if he has a good spring, Cool. Perfect platoon, lefty bat, you know, put him against righties, Koopa against lefties. If Mustakis has a terrible spring, you lose nothing. Yeah. Low risk, high risk. Now, now, before we move on to the next couple of people that we're going to talk about, I do want to point out the fact that right now, Garrett Cooper is the only first baseman on the roster. Mm-hmm. So, no matter what transpires, there's going to be a second, a, a second, third. I can say that for, for a guaranteed fact. Yeah. I can say, write my name in blood on a, on a form, you know, we will have another first baseman by opening day. Yeah. Not meaning that Garrett Cooper is going to be gone or that we're going to bench Garrett Cooper, but we're going to have another person there with him, whether it be Yuli Gurriel or somebody else in the market, there's going to be someone there with him. Yeah. Um, and just to touch on that really briefly, you look at the roster, Joey Wendell is probably the most experienced first baseman left. Yep. And I mean, yep. there's not a lot there, so you—that's a great point that I didn't even think of. Honestly, there's like no one else that has any first base experience. What JJ Blade? Like, no. <laughs> I mean, you have you have you have Gerard who's played a lot of first base in the right. minors, okay. but yeah, he's never touched that in the majors. Granted, he's only played what like eight, ten games in the majors, but yeah, hasn't touched that in the majors. So who's just, yeah, who, no. who knows what's going to happen? Your most experienced guy is Joey Wendell. Like so. Just a, just a quick touch here. Um, Marlins are also active in the bullpen market, which is really, really good. Um, honestly, the, the Marlins don't have that bad of a bullpen, but they don't have that, that certified back-end guy. Um, now, the two people that we are connected with um, could be that. One of them is, is, is relatively washed up, had a really down year last year in a role as Chapman out in New York. Obviously, there is some PR baggage that comes with that signing. But again, he's Cuban. He's popular. He can bring people into the seats. I feel like we've preached that for 10 years now. Nothing's changed when we sign Cuban players, but we're going to keep preaching it anyway. <laughs> um, and then you have uh, another flamethrower in the bullpen of Alex Reyes, who is back from an injury. I don't remember what injury he sustained. I don't think it was Tommy John uh, that he w- went under. But, I think it was um, labrum. I think it was his labrum. It was a labrum? Okay. I think yeah, so. but he's coming back. He's not going to be back until mid-next year probably um, or mid-this year. Um, but those are two guys who have closing experience and can be good in the back of the bullpen. Right now, our most experienced closer is Dylan Floro and Tanner Scott. 
So anybody that is an improvement over them is going to be a vast improvement. Um, so just just interesting to see that. And it's really interesting to see, to me personally, to be going after the closers of the, of the free agent market and not just the bullpen. You know, you have your yeah. uh, Matt Moore, you have your Andrew Chafin, you have um, – I can't think of his name. There was another player I was going to name off the top of my head. Michael but Fulmer. that's who it was, Michael Former. Yeah, you have Michael Former, but none of them have the closing experience. So right. it's really – pertinent to me that yes these might not be you know your most ideal signs they might not be your edwin diaz they might not be your emmanuel Casse, but they're going for people who have that background in closing which is really really important yeah i love alex reyes i know the injury sucks and it's obviously a risk to to sign a guy that hasn't pitched in a whole year but um i've i've, I've been saying it since day one of the offseason alex reyes needs to be a marlin he asked yep. and him and Sandy are like brothers. I know we always say him and Pablo are like brothers, which they are. But before it was him and Pablo, it was him and Alex Reyes. Yeah. So that would just be awesome to see. And I think Alex Reyes, you get him healthy and you get him with Mel Stoudemire, oh, boy. That oh, could, yeah. That could be so much fun. Oh, yeah. So much fun. And then in terms of Aroldis Chapman, I mean, it's Aroldis Chapman. If you ask – Anybody who knows anything about baseball who the top three closers of the past 10 years have been, Aroldis Chapman's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And he's just a name that everyone knows, for better or for worse. So, like you said, he'll put butts in seats. And same thing, I mean, getting him home in Miami where he's, you know, he lives here now and getting him with Mel, never know what could happen with him. He could go back to being lights out, but we'll see what happens. I, I, don't, I don't know for sure. So we're going to kind of switch things up from what uh, we had had written um, right now at our current roster construction with everything in play. Obviously, there's the Johnny Cueto signing as well, but we haven't touched on that. He's not officially signed with it, so we're not going to touch on it right now. So everything that is, is in play right now, looking at our roster, what is your record prediction for the, Mar- the 2023 Marlins? I'm going to go high because I do every single year. And I always get disappointed, but I think as things are right now, I have them at 77 and 85. Interesting. I have it as a flip, not, not 85 and 77, but uh, 75 and 87 is where I have them. I think, I think we are very much, I, I think the big thing that we have to think about is the health of the team compared to last year, you know, once Jazz went down, our offense went down, but then also Solaire went down, which we talk bad about Solaire, but he was on pace for 30 homers, 80 RBIs. You know, yeah. it's not like, yes, he's still batting 220, but he was on pace to have, you know, the most homers as a Marlin since I believe Giancarlo Stanton did. And I might be completely wrong on that, but no, I, think, I think you're right. But you talk, everyone was talking about how bad he was, which granted for the money we paid him, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't doing that great. You know, what is it, 13 mil a year guaranteed? That's yeah. not that's not what you pay. That's not how you should play if you're being paid that money. Mm-hmm. Still, he's bringing the offensive output that we don't have, the power that we don't have. Um, and you can't blame everything on injuries as, uh, anyway, but it was a very, very important factor. So getting the health back to our team, adding, you know, Gene Segura in there as a leadership, Um I think giving us the flexibility of having Groshans and maybe Edwards and maybe even Amaya in the infield to kind of play everywhere. Um, it, it makes things interesting, you know, but I, as of right this moment, I haven't seen enough to put us at a, a near 500 record yet. Now, if, if one of these trades falls through like a Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco or Brian Reynolds, or maybe a Colton Cowser of the Baltimore Orioles, who knows, who knows, who knows? Maybe then we can be closer to to a 500 team, and maybe we can compete then. Yeah. But as of this moment, I see us at 75 and 87. That's just me personally. Um, now, for the final segment of this uh, first inaugural podcast, uh, we are going to go over spot by spot. So I'll list mine, you'll list yours. We can go over our reasonings if we defer. Um, but we are going to go over our MVP, our Cy Young pitcher for the Marlins, not named Sandy Alcantara, our comeback player of the year, and our rookie of the year slash newcomer. So anybody that's either is a rookie this upcoming year or someone that we signed in the free agency. So 
I'm going to let you go ahead and start off with your MVP. Go ahead and list them off, and then I'll list mine. I have a feeling that's going to be the same player, but go right ahead. Um, I think we all – it's going to be Jazz. I, I You know, I obviously last year it was Sandy. I, I didn't want to be boring because Sandy will probably honestly be the MVP again. But I wanted to go with an offensive player. It's going to be Jazz. I think Jazz is going to – if he stays healthy, I think he's going to have an unbelievable year. Unbelievable. 100%. 100%. Jazz is a guy who, at his full health, at a full season, he's going 30-30 at minimum. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he might only bat 260, might only bat 250. He still struggled heavily against lefties. Maybe Brent Brown can unlock something there and fix something there. But, you know, he is somebody who, if he's healthy, he's your number one player. Like, you can plug him on in on any team. I can argue just about 25 teams that he'd be the number one player on offensively. Yeah. Yeah. No, I but, agree. I agree. And it's also stuff he does off the field, too. Just energizes Oh, yeah. Him. So oh, yeah. I don't see how you take what he does at the plate on the field and then stuff he does just sitting in the dugout and hyping guys up and say, no, he's not the MVP. He's 100% the MVP as long as Correct. he stays healthy. As long as he yes. stays healthy. Now, who is your – obviously the Cy Young of the team is the reigning Cy Young in Sandy Alcantara, the unanimous Cy Young. Right. Who is your Cy Young at this current moment roster construction of the 2023 Marlins not named Sandy Alcantara? Uh, it might be a, it's probably going to be another boring answer, but I have Edward Cabrera. That that is exactly what I have written down too. Yeah, see, it's an it's a boring answer, uh, but I've always said this to you. I don't think I've ever tweeted this out. So Twitter, get ready to flame me. I think he has better stuff than Sandy. I don't think he's a better pitcher than Sandy, but I think he has better, more electric stuff than Sandy. So just getting him for a full year. Under Sandy's wing, under Mel's wing, he could be scary good. Scary good. He has consistently been, you know, when he was in the minors, even if he wasn't rated as it, he was consistently seen as one of the scariest pitchers coming up in the minors, you know. And he was relatively a fast riser because he went from kind of unknown to – it will be the show stardom as being the most difficult pitcher on the game <laughs> yeah. to being projected to be better than Sixto, who when healthy at the time was projected to be the next Pedro. So yeah. if you're projecting somebody to be better than Pedro Martinez, that's scary. And if that's your number two pitcher on your team, that's yeah. scary. You know, um, I, I have such high hopes for Edward. As I said earlier in the podcast, he to me is, is untouchable. Honestly, I have to be completely blown away to be, yeah. Willing to give up Edward Cabrera. Oh, me too. And now, I, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, what do you throw this year? A 96 mile an hour changeup or something? Or a 94 yeah. mile an hour changeup? I mean, that's stupid. I mean, come on now. That's not fair. Um, I mean, we saw how many, again, small sample size, but there were a few starts in there where it was like guys looked lost, lost. Yeah. And he held the Rockies, not a great lineup, granted. You know the Rockies hitless through six in Colorado. Do you know how hard it is to hold a team hitless in Colorado? In Colorado. Shout out Ubaldo Jimenez who did it. But like, <laughs> hey, I mean, but he, what? It was like no hits through six with <clears throat> eleven Ks or something. Oh, there's something ridiculous. And it looked effortless, effortless. So yeah, he's he's that's my Sion who's not Sandy. Now, who is your? comeback player of the year there can be a few players that doesn't necessarily mean that that they were hurt or that they played terrible last year maybe this means that they played good but they're going to play great this year who is your comeback player of the year for the 2023 marlins i actually want you to go first because i have two answers okay. for this and i think okay. you might have the same one so if you say one of mine i'll go with the other one okay for me <laughs> personally i was just gushing about him not too long ago jorge soler Yep. I think this guy is going to be insane. From everything that I've heard, from everything that I've been told from the team, he is healthy. He is in great shape. He is insanely ready for the year. He is. He has been going off uh, in every interview that he's had about how healthy and how ready he is for this year. Um, I can easily, easily see a 35-plus homer year, year from him if he plays the full season. Um, and it, obviously, this is this is very coincidental, but it's not to be forgotten. 
you look at his stats last year when he played in the outfield, he batted 190 somewhere around there. When you put him at DH where he's projected to be for the entire year this year, he batted 250. His slugging was up like 50 points too. So you're, you, you put him at DH, you put him fully healthy. You know, he now does, doesn't have to worry about his back as much aside from when he swings. He's going to be insane this year. Yeah. Honestly, I, I have such high hopes. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I'm glad I did that because I have – I had Jorge Soler and the name I'm against who, but I, I wanted to touch on Jorge real quick. One, I think – I hope Skip doesn't put him in the leadoff spot. I didn't like when Donnie did that. I know the Braves did it in the World Series, but he was just incredibly hot at that time, so why not? Um, he's a four-hitter. He should be in the fourth yep. spot every single day. Get guys in front of him. Let him bring them in. Um, I think he's going to have a stupid good year. Um, you know, he's not going to be an all-star or an MVP candidate or anything like that, but he's going to be – he's going to drive in a lot of runs and he's going to hit for a lot of power. I think, I think, like you said, 30, 35 homers sounds perfect and something we desperately, desperately need. Um, and, yeah, DH full-time, keep him healthy would be huge. Uh, but my pick for comeback player of the year is uh, actually – Everyone's least favorite Marlon after last year, Avisayo Garcia. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Uh, sorry, that was a really bad year. Really bad year. And look at his career numbers. He's never been that bad. And I can almost guarantee you he won't be that bad again. Uh, he's lost a lot of weight. We've all seen it. And shout out Godfather Danny. Danny put something out there. I don't know if you've seen it. Where it's like his Avisayo's first year with all of his new teams. So like he had first year with like the Tigers and the White Sox with the Rays. And then obviously with us, his first year, he always has a, I forget if he used WRC plus or OPS plus, but it's always below league average in his first season Mm -hmm. with his new teams. And then his second year, he's like 20 points higher than the league average. Are we going to get that version of him this year? I don't know, but there's no chance. I like, I will mortgage my house i will give you my house if he does this again he won't have that bad of a year i promise you as long as he's healthy he will not have that bad of a year again so yeah he's easily my pick yeah yeah i mean everything points and and maybe this is this is a foolish way of viewing it but there's no way possible that he could replicate his how bad he was last year again no no there's 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 no way in my mind i I don't know. I, I don't think that that's the player he is. Obviously, that's how he played all year, but I don't think that's the player he is. I don't think that's that, yeah. that's never been the player he he, he no. was. So I don't know. No, but, and he he dealt with some injuries last year, and I think he even came out and said that like his head wasn't in the right place, or like he wasn't yeah. mentally in the right place. So like, and you know, with a whole new leadership with Skip and his coaching crew, I think I think those guys are going to get him in the right. He already, like I said, I've already, he's already lost what he looks super skinny now. Yeah, so like, yeah. I think he's already on the right track. He's going to be fine. Yeah. Now to cap it all off, who is your newcomer slash rookie of the year for you? I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go with another boring answer. I'm going to go Gene Segura. <laughs> okay. I, I love Gene. That's all I'm going to say. I love Gene. Yeah. He's going I mean, we, we talked about him earlier. We talked about how much we love him. Everything he's done with the Mariners, with the Phillies. Uh, now, hopefully, he continues it to the Marlins. Hopefully, he doesn't have the uh, Miami slump that every free agent seems to have whenever they come here. But fingers, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, for me, I'm going to go a route that I'm going to start out by seeing their position. I know who you're going to think I'm going to say, but it's not going to be who it is. It's going to be a reliever. Um, for us, it's a reliever. It's not Andrew Nardi, wow. who I love. I love Andrew. I think he's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I think he's going to be amazing. I'm going to go Nick Enright. You know, Ooh. his 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 numbers with the Guardians minors last year were insane. I think he had one of the highest strikeout rates of AAA last year. I think he's going to play well in Miami. Um, I'm very, very – I don't know much about him. So, again, I'm speaking very in very little information. But I'm very, very excited to see what he's able to do with us. Um, and yeah. And – you look at our past, you know, Rule Five draft picks of pitchers, and they haven't been that good, or they've been starting pitchers from Double A or lower that we transition to the major leagues and hope for the best. You know, Eliezer Hernandez, Zach Pop. Um, I can't think of the other guy who we got in the same year as Zach Pop, but 
he went down for PEDs for the longest time, and we just uh, got rid of him. Paul Campbell. Paul Campbell, exactly. You know, and going back further, you you we keep picking starting pitchers, and they just don't turn out. So we went the safe route, took an older Rule 5 draft pick, and then Nick Enright, I think he's like 25, 26. Um, and he's only like a third-year minor league player because he played his entire college career. Um, but it's really, really intriguing. And he, he's been a reliever his entire career, so I don't think he's going to have a bad transition to the major leagues. Um, yep. So I'm really, really excited for him. Obviously, Andrew Nardi's my number. He's like my number 1B. Um, I, I, I'm a big, big fan of the Nardi party. But, you know, Nick Enright is, is my pick for the, for this year. That's that's a great pick. And I really did think you were going to go with Nardi there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I like – I don't really know much about Enright, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I did – when we drafted him in the rule five draft, I, I did a quick glance at his stats um, here and there. I'll like check, see, but like, I haven't looked at his like, in, like peripherals or any of that in the minor leagues. Yeah. Um, but no, you made a good point. Rule five draft picks so far have not been great for us pitching wise. Um, but the guy I kind of look at is like Bender, Anthony Bender, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't a rule five draft pick, but you know, came from playing indie ball, got him under Mel, we saw what happened there. Yeah, not saying Nick Enright's going to be a, another Anthony Bender, but I, I like the idea of like a, a no name guy that no one knows anything about him. Put him with Mel Stoudemire, the magician, and see what happens. Yeah, I love that pick. Love that pick. Well, Kevin, that's all we have for tonight. Um, I really appreciate you coming on here, talking with me, going a little bit in depth on everything. I know we went a little bit longer than we expected to. We're almost at an hour length when we thought we were going to go 25 minutes. But I appreciate you. It's always a great conversation. Um, Anything you want to say before departing? No, I mean, I told you I'd I'd talk about this for hours. But, uh, no, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, Looking forward to to coming back on here. And uh, hopefully all of you guys enjoyed and and keep chiming in with Jonathan and me and and – yeah, looking forward to this season. All right. And so how I'm going to end every podcast, I just decided on the fly. We're going to take it, take our W or take our M. Oh, God, I can't do it. I got to. I got to. <laughs> okay. All right. And we are going to go ahead and oh, wait. Yeah, flip, I, I did flip the, the M. I did the reverse flip. There we yeah, go. So did I. It's okay. It's okay. Every podcast, we're going to end it with the flip the M. Thank you guys for listening. Gotcha. See you next time. Peace.